0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, episode
1: 197. What What should we do for our 200th episode? Something exactly the same as we've done for 199. No, I don't know. mailbag or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> t-shirt with coffee oh, mug. Coffee mug. Do you, do you still got some some uh, storage um, in our warehouse of uh, merchandise you got? Probably, on? yeah. Uh, <laughs> we could
0: do a t-shirt <laughs> cannon
1: um, across yeah. the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Jordan. Silent PH in the middle. I guess I should do the <laughs> intro. And we have Lucian here, uh, my co-host in crime, as we chart the rapid and uneven waters that is Dungeons & Dragons news and more. Mm-hmm. And the... Word of the week is new D&D starter set that was uh, not. Was it confirmed? Well, it's not leaked and it's not confirmed, I guess. But it is a it's a Hasbro like shareholder video to be like our 2022 is looking fantastic. And in that video. So it's from Hasbro. And in that video is a picture of this new starter set. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. So there you go. Um it's called Dragons of Shipwreck Isle and cool, uh man. I was I was wondering uh the the second starter set made a lot of sense Dragons of Ice Spire Peak mm-hmm. um because it introduced the like really easy version of D&D. So like your friends that are like, oh, I don't really know or want to play. It's like, here, play this sidekick character. And then later you could like upgrade them and they had some new mechanics. Mm -hmm. Uh, We literally don't know anything about this, but it makes me wonder if the starter set is selling a lot more than I thought. And so, because I don't know anyone buying the starter set, but everybody I know that plays D&D is already playing (laughs) D&D. So it doesn't make sense to buy the starter set. Uh, Mm -hmm. That being said, like, I wonder if those are a hot item. And so it made sense for them to make yet a a third one, just in case.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those, if you're in advertising products, it's one of those things that makes a lot of sense because you're going to say, if somebody doesn't know Dungeons and Dragons, which to me and you sounds like there's. Could possibly be nobody yeah. that doesn't know Dungeons and Dragons. Go back into but your. We're, rock. In bubble, right? like, we're in the bubble, right? We're in the bubble, and uh, they're thinking about those people that walk by those store aisles and they say, "Oh, that's right. I've heard my friend, or I've heard my kid, or I've heard my brother talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe I want to get them a gift, or maybe they've been talking about trying it, but they haven't yet. And I know that the thing yeah. that I'm going to draw to is not like how do I pick one of the 15 books, and I don't know anything." But if it says big old giant starter set on it, that's yeah. an easy pickup. And you just like, well, hey, I'll grab that for my kid. They can have the starter set and they can play this D&D thing that I've heard of that I don't really know much about or haven't paid attention to. So I think and I think I've seen a lot of the other uh, Paizo has been doing a lot of um, those kinds of things, too. And I think there are other um, I think it's Modifius and um, Free League like to put out these starter sets. To get people interested in their TTRPG before diving into the full library of full book stuff. I think think that's what's happening. I wonder if
0: uh, in the market research they're just like for Mm -hmm. every like 1.4 starter sets we sell we sell two players handbooks automatically. Right. You know, because it's like, oh, like this person is like introduce it to their friends and then they go out and everybody comes back mm-hmm. with a player's handbook. And so and it's all about selling more books. So I get it. I yeah. uh, it was just weird where they're like, well, why don't you just use
1: reprint the ones you already have made? Like you've made two. Mm-hmm. Um so well, we have Fandelver, right? Because we haven't mentioned what the first one was. Fandu- Mine's yeah, Lost Mines of Fandelver. Or Lost Mine. I always put an S on it. Yeah, Lost Mine has. of Fandelver. And then we had, the second one is called... Dragons I of Spire Peak. Which I thought sounded cool and read cool. I bought it. It's on my shelf. And then now this one is... Did you put it in the notes? Yeah, call... No, that's the...
0: No, it's not in the notes, but it's oh. on the link. And it's called Dragons of Shipwreck Isle. Dragons of
1: Shipwreck Isle. So I like that they're putting dragons... I into think to the starter very set, intentional. I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, we know that they've admitted that Lost Minds of Fandelver was pretty good, but they knew they could do better and they wanted to do better because that's why they made the second one. And I wonder if there's anything in the third one that addresses something else they hadn't addressed yet. Like maybe it's easier to translate into multiple languages or maybe. Um, It's got some of the new rules that we're looking at, some of the new errata stuff. Well, and that's what I wanted to know. Yeah,
0: like what what new functionality is in this that that would make you buy this over something else? Um, Other than it's like the newest one, but I I don't know. Now they are good adventures. No, yes they are. Uh, And Uh, if it's a Chris Perkins adventure, I would be very interested because I love the adventures that he writes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know well and that's the thing is we don't know anything, but it was this Hasbro thing of like, Hey, uh, and it's funny cause it's right next to like Monopoly Bridgerton on the, um, on the picture here on Reddit. Right. Uh, and I bought my wife Jurassic Park Monopoly the other day. I, swear uh, or, sorry, I, bought I bought Jurassic Park Monopoly for Christmas and we finally mm-hmm. broke it open on Valentine's Day and played a game of Jurassic Park Monopoly. So yeah. fun. Monopoly is her favorite board game. So she was like, and Jurassic Park's her favorite movie. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, but it got me thinking about the brand of D&D. Like right now, they're putting D&D into other board games. <laughs> yeah. Like we had D&D, D&D Monopoly. Clue, I think they made yeah. D&D Clue. Um yeah. When are we going to have other properties into D and D? So it's going to be, it's you know, like Monopoly Bridgerton, but it's D &D, and D Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, like is that ever going to happen? Do you think? Yeah, like
1: yeah, I think they get overboard on their licensing of stuff to other IPs or letting other IPs kind of use some of their stuff in their formats. At some point during their life cycle, then they they almost go overboard and it gets flooded. And then all of a sudden, I think they're stuck with a lot of terrible um, products that are out there on, on the market that because they should never have let, you know, this plushy company do their thing or this board company. Yeah, they shouldn't have done it. But then they they rein it in. They go quiet for a while and then it starts that whole cycle again where, hey, it's popular again. Yeah. Hey, let's have books. Let's have lunch pails. Let's have T-shirts. Let's have Mm. dice sets. Let's have, you know, let's do a Monopoly game. I think that would be a fantastic D&D Monopoly game would be fun where the board is just, you know, Baldur's Gate or, you know, Water Deep, and you're doing all the, you know, cool things around the Jurassic Park
0: one introduced some new things where there's a T-Rex that goes around the board that chases you. And if it catches up to you, then you have to pay $50 or something. But I was nice. like, I don't know. Um, oh, but yeah, actually, they just pointed out in chat, like they've already done Stranger Things D&D and Rick and Morty yes. d So that is yeah. something we're already seeing, where they're like taking d d as like a game and then applying a franchise over it. Uh, speaking of, of uh, Dragons of Shipwreck Isle, um, I tried to research this. I couldn't find it. If that was a place in the Forgotten Realms, but uh, RPG DMCA says that it's like the Northmen who are seafaring people, parts of the Moonshade Isles. So, an unexplored region of 5e D&D could be uh, pretty cool. So,
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to see that it gets confirmed um, because we haven't really seen what's the next thing after the Critical Role book. Well, they have we'll a box about. art
0: and stuff. It's totally confirmed. It's like. Yeah. They've got they literally on this picture have the whole starter set like laid out.
1: Well, I guess um, confirmed, and I mean, it's
0: from Hasbro, but like we don't have a date, obviously. Wizards like, yeah, so of so the date, Coast has is what I'm anything. waiting to see. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, or that we get information on it, or they're promoting it more than somebody found it in a in a presentation for a board meeting or something. I guess mm-hmm. is where I was going. Um, I do. I want to go back to one thing though. I thought it was funny because somehow I remember the show before Valentine's Day, we said the board game monopoly and then within hours i see on twitter you have a picture of monopoly on there i'm just yeah. like how's that the- we've never said monopoly before here we are yeah <laughs> jordan's playing was, the game all of a
0: sudden <laughs> maybe it was in my mind as a joke it was or really weird uh so we, like that we've been funny. extremely busy since christmas even before christmas And, uh, Valentine's day was like one of the few days that we had like both off together. So we're like, oh, we should do something when the baby's asleep. And I have been teasing her for a while that she hasn't actually opened the The Jurassic Park Monopoly. I got her for Christmas. (laughs) So she's like, well, let's, we're
1: playing Monopoly. So we (laughs) opened it up and it was very cool. So that was pretty funny. But going back to what we are, um, I'm, I'm excited to, I like the starter sets I've bought. Um, a couple of them. I even think the Stranger Things ones was introduced as a starter set. It was, basically. It was. Basically yeah. his, and you know?
0: Rick and Morty, I think, was too. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I think I like having them because I'm a fan of the IP. I don't think everybody has to run out and buy these if you already are into D&D or you have one of them already, you're probably good enough. But if you're a collector and you like the box art and you like the little things, sometimes they put little cool things in there that I find fun for a game too for new people, like They might put cards in there, some pre-generated characters that are nice, or they might put in um, status cards so that you can hand out, oh, you've been restrained. Here's your little thing that tells you what that is because you're brand new and you don't necessarily know. They have those kind of cool things or even things that you might use if you have maybe a young nephew or a young niece, a a daughter, a son, you know, a grandkid that you want to teach and then maybe they're in that, you know, nine to 15 range and you're like, here's you know here's some stuff that that helps them learn the game which is always the one thing i want to do in my lifetime is introduce and it sounds super creepy but introduce teenage kids or young adult kids to dd because that was one of the coolest things in my life i want to be that for somebody else too but not in a creepy way (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure uh the less creepy the better
0: yeah um Uh, that is kind of high for a starter set. So uh, Anna in chat said that she found there was a business release by Hasbro that says it's going to be $50. This starter oh, set. Yeah. The 49... previous ones have all been like 30-ish or 40-ish, I think.
1: That's but... probably a better price. Right.
0: So um, yeah. I I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm curious. It's weird. I, have, I bought the first starter set and then I, I read it, but I never did anything with it. Mm-hmm. And I and I eventually gave it away to my nephew because I'm like, here, I'm into D&D. You should also be D&D. So I gave him that and a bunch mm-hmm. of minis that uh, WizKids sent me and stuff. And I was like, here you go. Uh, and then I never picked up Ice Spire Peaks. And I don't feel the need to pick up this one. But I don't know. like, And I am kind of the collector. But at the same time, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just it's hard when I look at that and I'm like, I don't think I'm actually ever going to use that. Yeah, uh, I like as the I idea of gifting it away. To the, all of the books that I never used
1: that stand behind me, but here yeah, 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 <laughs> I like the idea of gifting it away. I like the idea of having no, it and it, it's a it solid to somebody gift, you know,
0: which yeah, is probably what it's what it's aimed for. So, yeah. uh, it might be this summer, it might be Christmas, who knows? But the fact that they're talking about it, it's probably coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, Calamity of the Netherdeep, Call of the Netherdeep, Calamity Nether. is one of the videos that they talked about. So, uh, Call they of the Netherdeep is the new Critical Role book that they're doing a tie-in with Wizards of the Coast. They're jointly creating this um, set in the world of Alexandria. And uh, I caught a few videos where they were talking about mm-hmm. things. Uh, Mr. Mister Todd was interviewing Mr. Matt um, in mm-hmm. what looks like an apartment or something. There's like a fridge behind him. I was like, okay, he just kind of invited <laughs> him over. Uh, I will say Todd Kenrick getting way better at YouTube this turnaround. Uh, his D&D Beyond videos were kind of just like casual interview kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. maybe it's the fact that he has Matt Mercer, but like I always, I watched the D and D YouTube channel and I'm like, how well are you doing? And all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's got a couple videos that have been up for like a day at 50 or 60 K. And I'm like, all right, that's way better than me. So there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> so he's,
0: it's doing good. Uh, but two videos that I thought were interesting is they talked about the calamity, which is the big, god world ending event thing that happened many years ago in Alexandria. and if you're a lore person it's like i find that interesting um mm-hmm. and they talked about a city called Bezozan.
1: and did you watch any of these i have watched a couple um because they have put about four or five out to really kind of start advertising that it's about to come out They've yeah. got matt talking about that chris Perkins talking about it um, but I did not see the second one. I saw the first one calamity, but not the second one. It's- so I want to, this is really creative. I thought this
0: was really cool. So Bezozan is a, uh, it was like an ancient something way back in the day. So there's runes. There's like you, you underground caverns and dungeons and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so these archeologists go and they start like looking for stuff, but all of a sudden, like monsters come spilling out and they realize that this is like a connection to some w- weird place. And it periodically like sends forth just danger and things like that. So in Bezosan, it started as like a an archeological dig site has now turned into a military kind of like, big thing containment but not to keep people out to keep yeah. the things in yeah. and i thought that was really cool uh and they talk about that there's like there's sirens and it made me think of your silly siren in your in your community yes. where they're like yeah you're just like sleeping or you're doing this and all of a sudden woo and you're like oh we got a monster alert and like monsters are going to come shooting out and I, anyway i it's it's a simple idea but i thought it was really clever yeah, and uh, i'm curious how wave. they're going to to utilize this it's kind of cool
1: Yeah. I've read a couple of books where that has kind of been a premise of a town that's on a frontier and it's pushed as far into the frontier as it can. But the thing that has stopped it is a monster wave that seems to come. It's sort of random, but sort of so often that they can't just continue to expand. And the story kind of takes place as things are happening. Oh. Sirens are going though. Everything's gotta stop because everybody has to get on the walls because the big monster wave's coming. They gotta stop that and then they go back. And the thing is the waves keep changing and seem to be trying to adapt to what the defenders are doing. And so mm-hmm. the story is kind of a little bit about that. And it always reminds me of like the starship trooper scene of the bugs coming to the walls and the <laughs> marines are up on the up on the, you know, just trying to hold the line. I just kind of love those things. So that is kind of a cool and fun. It'd be interesting to have your adventures visit that area or have some reason to be there for that. That sounds like a really cool moment in a campaign to have, you know, like a, or even a, uh, a campaign thread that they're dealing with something like that.
0: Or, or what, (laughs) like, what if you're, I don't know how, but now, now it was like, what if you're on the other side and you're Mm -hmm. just like, we got to get out of here, but you don't really know where you are. And then you're trying to get out. But the people on the other side are like, we're not going to be fooled by you monsters. We're not letting right. you out. And you're like, no, no literally no, no, no. like I'm here to help you. But there are like a ton yeah. of mind flares behind me. You got to open yeah. this door. Yeah.
1: Uh, I just think
0: oh, that's I like really that funny. idea. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you're just like, how did we get here? Yeah. I don't know. And you got to figure it out.
1: Well, I know one of the ideas that I was, I had wrote down in our notes for the cliff, which again, I wish we come up with the, the, the name that kills all names. Eventually um, <laughs> was the idea that up, From below, over the cliff, and then swarms the town, comes a wave of creatures. And it happens, like, I was thinking it happened, like, once every two years or something just enough that they could rebuild everything, but they always had this fear that it was coming again. And it was like this big wash of monstrous creatures that you Or know, every, every like aberration. 120
0: years. So it's yeah. just long enough that people think that it doesn't actually it, it's, happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And, and then yeah. like it happens again. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's so I
1: thought that'd be kind of a cool way to take also the idea of our vertical, you know, um, hex crawl. Yeah. Hex crawl love it. Very cool. Um, so that is cool. That makes me a little bit I, more interested in Netherdeep. I am, I'm, I was super interested. Yeah, that that's a little better. I like that. Um we'll we'll
0: see what uh the book comes out with. Um, Are you
1: getting Nether Deep? Is that a book going on your shelf?
0: No. I didn't get the first uh, uh critical role book either. Um but I'll have it on D&D Beyond, so I'll probably read mm-hmm. through it and we'll see. I don't know.
1: What do you think of the classes in there? I haven't really dived into the new stuff, but it, there's, there's some a cool new names Blood Hunter, to the stuff.
0: They're like updating the Blood yeah. Hunter. There's
1: like a Moon Cleric I thought I yeah. saw. There's Well, that's
0: like, the Blood Hunter would be like the whole new class class, but yeah, oh, gotcha. there's, a, yeah, yeah. there's a, I don't know. And I actually, I don't know if it's going to be included now that I say that out loud. I read that there was an update to it and I kind of assumed that it was going to be because of this book, but maybe not. Um, but no i I actually haven't read much of the extra stuff. I didn't like the the subclasses in um the first critical role book mm-hmm. the uh chronologic like the the time major i don't know what it was called uh chronologist Chron-
1: chronomancer
0: no, it wasn't chronomancer it was something like that but oh. um no the wizard subclass, and there was a couple others that didn't really like sparked my fancy but that Mm -hmm. is to each their own (laughs) like if you if i was more involved in the world i'm sure i'd be like oh my gosh i can finally play this like how cool Mm -hmm. so uh when we talk about it all the time like part of the fun is i'm like how do i make spider-man in in 5e and so when i'm like coming up with a character concept i usually don't want the here's how to play the exact thing that you want to play. I like to reflavor it in certain ways. So
1: Yeah, I'm ready to be a gunslinger in a D&D Yeah, that's watching, my next character. Watching the critical role. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we didn't
0: talk about this, but uh, no. DM Nathan's going to make a, a game and uh, we're all talking about new characters and he wants it to be like dark and gritty and he's going to approve all of the spells we choose. So whether it's like allowed in this game or not because of the direction he wants to go with it. Mm-hmm. and i'm gonna be a artificer that has two wands and i'm gonna be a gunslinger i'm really excited nice. that sounds fun
1: uh yeah so did you watch um the 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 next, the last three are out f- the finale is out for yeah it's all done um, season one box machina did Fox you watch machina. the whole thing no no oh, I same still thing got the they last, come out on yeah. friday i'm always very busy
0: <laughs> and i did not watch it yeah uh i i am caught up though like I just need to watch the final three, so that's same. And, here, and I'm same really here. liking it. Like it's good. Like I'm yeah. totally invested in the story. I don't. I want to go back and listen because I think I was kind of like wishy washy about it at the beginning, mm-hmm. and I I take it all back. Like this is a yeah. really cool show. <laughs>
1: like I feel like it just got stronger. I just feel like yeah. it starts a little off, or maybe not as as good as I wanted. But you know who, who am I? But they they get stronger and stronger and better and better. And I couldn't even ask for more. I couldn't even critique. Hey, I wish you'd have done this. By the yeah. time you're getting to like episode five, six, you know, seven and, and moving on. Yeah. It's just good. It's a good storyline. It's a cool, bit. good villains. Like you said, strong, strong villains, villains you would inspire you to make your villains better in your campaign. I could see you watching yeah. that and going, oh, my bad guy's nowhere near as cool as that. I need to, up <laughs> game. you know, I need to get my bad guy really into this. Yeah. Know? I need a cool story. Tragic story behind the bad guy, yes. you know? uh dunamancer people are correcting
0: me uh and good then answer. uh Anna does make a point there was that fighter i think it was like an echo knight or something and you could like have a shadow version of yourself mm-hmm. in the first critical role book and that was kind of cool now that i think about it so
1: yeah she's know. making all kinds of points in your oh chat yeah. there
0: look out <laughs> anna you're hired good job anna good job <laughs> um I, yeah, so that's on my to-watch list. I'll probably watch it tonight. I'm halfway through a video. It's been so yeah, long since it. I've uploaded a video to YouTube. So thank you for being so patient. But uh, life just got crazy. I am really excited about this, though. It's on the plains of Eberron, which are very different from the Great Wheel cosmology. And it should be a fun video. But back to news before I just start talking about all of my stuff. Uh, Hasbro, well, one of the Hasbro investors... Wants Wizards of the Coast to separate from its own company, just to, to be its own company. Um, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, apparently, all of their shareholders can bring uh, options to the table. So this particular shareholder owns 2.5 percent stock of Hasbro, um, which is that sounds uh, good. doesn't found, sound like a lot, but it probably <laughs> no, no, that it probably seems is. like a lot. <laughs> like I don't know, I I don't know money. This is why I'm poor. But uh, the they're gonna they're obligated to, like,
1: discuss it listen. and vote, I guess, yeah. because
0: of their their whatever Hasbro bylaws and blah, blah, blah. Um, so who knows if this will happen, but I did find it interesting. I looked up some numbers that uh, this last year, 2021, 71% of all of Hasbro's revenue was made by Wizards of the Coast. So there's a little ground to stand on where you're like, maybe Wizards of the Coast should, like, be its own company, and Hasbro could like that would force Hasbro to make their toy line more profitable is kind of the only way i can think about it. Uh mm-hmm. I would you like that? Do you think it's like good or bad being tied to Hasbro? Like they seem to just be doing whatever they want. Like i yeah, they're yeah. not really like oh Hasbro's
1: keeping us under thumb, you know. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like i've ever noticed them hint or say we couldn't do something cuz Hasbro won't let us. Yeah, I feel like they just have free reign to do whatever they want. So if they're not there, I don't I don't know. And you have a direct line to a toy line if you want to actually utilize it, although they haven't really utilized they it. Do they do have that life-size doing...
0: statue of Drist for like $4,000. Yeah.
1: There so. you go. <laughs> but they can have a whole toy line. We only line have to up sell up three DD.
0: to make a profit. Yeah. No.
1: Uh, uh, or Vox yeah. Machina figures at this point. I could see some action figures coming out of that. I mean, yeah, are hey, they, is Hasbro still in the action figure business? Well, Vox Machina
0: up? is making some... Uh, games? They're making minis of all of the characters from the TV show. That makes uh, sense. But I think that's... I don't even think that's through WizKids. I think they're just doing it. Like, they're they're big enough now, so... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I will point out that the head of Wizards of the Coast just became the CEO of hasbro so it doesn't really make sense for them to be like yeah now that i'm over here like go, you know like i think they'll want to keep their most profitable thing yeah yeah
1: i could see a wizards of the coast person saying maybe we should be our own company but i i couldn't this imagine anybody who Hasbro yeah. saying it's probably let like, them go 71 percent <laughs> of our business let's let them go yeah it's probably one of those
0: like <laughs> if you let me yeah. Or if if you let them split up, then you're gonna have to buy out these shares and I can get shares at this price, and then Wizards of the Coast will blow up and I'll make money you know, it's yeah, all maybe that's money it. stuff. <laughs> uh that's probably what it is. So who knows? Uh I just thought I was curious. It really mm-hmm. doesn't it er, it doesn't affect our hobby in the slightest. <laughs> like no. like like the the like we have the open GL, the more I think about this, like we have the 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 open gaming license and things like that, like um wizards could burn down tomorrow with all of their notes gone Mm -hmm. and we would still have a version of 5e going forward that people would make and refine and play and so yeah for uh, sure it's just interesting so (laughs) uh very cool this is a fun article um it's called D's lore struggle i i added this kind of late uh lex friend lex of the show lex mandrake he sent me this um, and it was published, uh, a couple days ago, I guess, on the 16th. And it, it, it just asks the question, like, what does D&D struggle with lore? Like, what's going on here with their lore? Um, and it kind of goes into a lot of the, the problems that they've had, uh, through the TSR years and through the, uh, the Wizards of the Coast years, um, and really showcases, like, they've never really... They've never really pinned down what they want to do with like a cohesive lore. And so uh, the the big problems that you run in is originally Gary Gygax was like, well, we don't need to provide a world for them to play in because they'll make their own. That's what I do. And that that mistake is that Gary thought everyone will play D&D exactly how I play D&D. And so later on, they were like, oh, maybe we'll buy this Forgotten Realms from this Greenwood guy. And maybe we'll do this. And I don't know, let's come up with some other stuff. Planescape, Spelljammer. And they hired some world builders to create some cool stuff. Um, But specifically, the Forgotten Realms is just like a cohesive mess of a a thing. And uh, Planescape and other stuff have relatively been kind of like left, uh, not unchanged, but like they're kind of just I don't know. They're always going to stand there. They don't need a lot of like what happened in, you know, 1541 on the plane of Acheron or something like we don't we don't really know. Time has no meaning there. Kind of a thing like that. Uh, And the article goes into talking about 4E, where wizards got rid of a lot of their uh, world building people because they wanted to focus on like game design and game Things like that, And it's like, well, we don't really need a world. And they use the spell plague to destroy the Forgotten Realms to really just say, well, we're just going to start here. And that blew up and everyone hated that kind of a thing because you're like, you, I literally just nullified all of these years of lore. Uh, and then they just did it again in 5e by saying that, well, the 5e version of Forgotten Realms is... It none of the other stuff is canon. So it's only this. And it's like, well, what? That doesn't make any sense. And so people are upset because people like this. Like how often, I mean, I'm thinking about like Game of Thrones and stuff. Like so many people are reading those books and trying to extrapolate histories and like, I don't know, like world building is important to the people that really like it. And this article was, was interesting because it's, it's just a big mess. And they're like, what are they going to
1: do going forward? And I don't know. See, I think... I'm going to completely disagree with the writer. Oh, good. And I want to know this because I wanted to know your thoughts, basically. Like, do you you think it's a big mess? (laughs) And I think you you pointed out the exact reason I think the writer is wrong is because nobody should be thinking of Dungeons & Dragons lore as George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones because it's not a game that was, we have a world and then we're going to build a game and everything about this is... We're gaming in this world. D&D always was. We have a game and you build your own world. So they're more like a comic book company who brings in artists and designers and people that have their own ideas. And they create all these different worlds using the rules. And they want always, year after year, want to showcase more people doing that. So they gave Greenwood his own world. They gave... You know, Keith, his world, they gave Monty Cook his free reign for his world stuff that he brought in. You know, the people that did Dark Sun, the main the main writers of that, they brought that in. So to me, Wizards of the Coast was more of like a Marvel or a DC and less like a novel writing company where we only it's just a novel and we're, we're focused on one franchise of a novel and the game is secondary to that the 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 not the game of thrones is game of thrones it's george r r martin and it's super cohesive cuz that's what george r. r martin is as a novelist so to me i don't think it's a right comparison i think it's a wrong comparison they think they should think of it more of like how marvel and dc think of their worlds they smash their worlds together when they want to redo them they create all kinds of anomalies that shouldn't happen when one comic book writer says Captain America does this and this other one says well in my storyline I want him to do this and now there's nerds on the internet arguing how could Captain America have done that if they you know so they get that because in that context Marvel lets you build lots of different worlds and have brought the multiverse in to allow their comic book artists to build worlds and I think that's what Wizards was trying to do this year was to get multiverse out there so they could stop saying if we mess something up or we change something in Ed Greenwood's version of, you know, Forgotten Realms, it's no big deal. Nobody has to get upset about it because we have these other worlds. We have Eberron, we have, you know, there yeah. uh, we have Matt Co- we have Mercer's world now. We have, you know, all these things that officially come from them. So I think so, that would be the way I would go.
0: Yeah, and uh I I that I do agree. I see what you're saying um but i i the equate equating it back to dc and marvel is interesting because he does that in the the article as well Mm -hmm. um but i'm trying to oh i had a really good point and i just lost it but (laughs) the the people the people that are arguing on the internet um in a non-positive way i guess like we'll say that like, agree these... with
1: the premise that well, they, they no, no, no. are struggling and I'm talking with about, story right sorry talk about premise. comic books so the oh, people oh, that gosh. are like
0: i can't believe captain america would do this and da, 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 like there, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of arguing because you have an idea but that's about a character not so much like uh if if i think that wizards has handled specifically like the realms and and maybe even some of the other source books that they have put out um incorrectly, in the sense that they didn't start from the beginning and say, here's like a tangent line of destiny, and we're going to talk about the realms in this light. Uh, Like, I would love a setting where they're like, here's the Forgotten Realms, or maybe the fifth edition realms are, there was a big war with the drow, and the drow won. And here's what the realms looks like with that. Like, that would be really cool to take a point that we all know about the history and take it in a different direction. I feel like that's what a lot of comic writers are doing. They're like, there's a point in time that they change or it's an alternate reality or, you know, something like that. Um, What Wizards of the Coast has done is this uh, backtrack, uh, hard reset. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, fans are upset. Very akin to the DC movie universe where they're like making movies and then they're like, yeah, we're also going to make this Justice League movie. Well, there's a a Snyder cut now. Let's make Joker. Well, is, does that Joker movie fit in with the rest of us? Ah, who cares? I don't know. Let's just make it. And so fans are disconnected because they like the lore. They want to see this overarching story, i.e. Marvel did it very well. And DC is not doing it very well. Uh, and I I, lo- I read this article thinking exactly that, where I'm just like, no, uh, we're the DC of, of stories now in a sense where it's like it's so fragmented and there are things that writers do that are not tying back to earlier things because there isn't like a there isn't somebody overseeing a whole project there isn't a Kevin Feige mm-hmm. um and i thought that was interesting i guess and not to say that uh marvel doesn't have mistakes i'm sure it does and things like that uh the especially the marvel dc or the marvel universe cinematic universe uh it it's just there's a clear the non-direction where I think they they got rid of a lot of their their lore world builders and they hired very good writers to write adventures. but those adventures are not you know solidified. And to go back to your point like you're right, a lot of dungeon masters do create their own worlds and things like that. Uh, and that was one of the the arguments that wizards put out saying like, well we don't need to create all this lore because people just take what they want anyway and it's like mm-hmm. you're right. But there there are people like me that absorb a whole bunch. And I still take the things that I want. But it's nice that there's this like standard. Like, here's the ground level. And now I kind of pick and choose. Rather than, like, here's a fragmented mess of puzzle pieces. And you kind of have to, oh, I don't, I guess. Like, well, that oh, that doesn't actually fit. And you're struggling as a dungeon master. So I would argue that it helps you to have, like, a canonical hard set of lore to then change and manipulate. So yeah, see and I that's think it's my story.
1: the I think it's the <laughs> idea of they they started, they've continued to follow the let the creator at that time who's building that world kind of yeah. run the world. But when that creator's gone, the next yeah. creator that's coming in does whatever their world is and it's not the same. We're not hiring that person to continue Greyhawk. Because if if that's what you were saying then what we what, what would make these people happy, right? The arguers would be that, well, we had Greyhawk in the 80s, that was Dungeons and Dragons, and Wizards of the Coast always tried to maintain the Greyhawk timeline. Mm-hmm. And they let other artists and people come in and talk about it and do stuff with it, but we kept the Greyhawk timeline till now. And I just never thought that in DD was like that because you always saw so many different designers being hired after four or five years, and then just flipping the script completely on new campaign worlds. In my mind, it always was Greyhawk was Gygax. He could create the timeline. Everybody else could do whatever they wanted, but his timeline was his timeline. Mm. Uh, Ed Greenwood really is the forgotten realms father, even though lots of other people have done stuff with it, but he's kind of the guy for that. And then R.A. Salvatore kind of decided to do stuff in that world yeah right but took took something that made it so they he they they he could kind do of the owns canon the underdark it. yeah yeah like, could do the canon part of it yeah. with i'm pretty sure ed's you know eternal like sure do it yeah go write your your story that's awesome and then we get money because when monty cook was there we were getting really different campaign kind of stuff too that's when we got The planescapes and the more weird kind of stuff, and Mm -hmm. you know, with the birthrights out there and all these other ones. So, to me, it was always I always thought it was creator driven. And when the creator was gone, we could, um, and that was my complaint was that Chris Perkins and the team right now haven't created their own, they never let they got rid of all the world builders (laughs) create. They they they're still doing Ed's world, right? So, I I would love to see them do their own, but. I guess that was just yeah. one book and they just keep doing Van Richten's it, you know. guide, which is one book. And so, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like right now is when they fell out of what they grew up and were, which were let, you know, a, a certain artist. Yeah. Create the base and everybody kind of helps with that. Well, and, and in this article, saying,
0: I want to quote right here. Cause I feel like it yeah. sums up exactly what we're talking about, but it says wizards is doing their, their, best right now to avoid establishing canon and lore and at the same time they're trying to cash in on name recognition of established fan bases for old campaign settings so it's like here's chult here's ravenloft here's eberron and it's like but you're not are you doing them justice and they're like uh if you really are interested go buy all those three third edition eberron books they have a lot more interest you know and it's you're like well yeah you're right but the whole point is we wanted to see what would you do with a fifth edition uh, Ravenloft, like, Domains of Dread. And I thought what we got was, like, pretty okay, but it's really just a, well, I could run this quick adventure here. It doesn't really establish how it all fits together, and so.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we're in the days where we would get six Ravenloft books. Yeah. Five Dark we're Sun, not, five yeah. e-books, ten Spelljammer, five e-books. You know, I don't, I don't think they're into that anymore. Maybe they will come back to that or it'll circle around to something like that in the future. But yeah, I just don't think, and, and to me, I still feel like they're pushing more about build your own world or take our world, but really mash it up, do whatever you I want think, with it. I think they're going to less. You have to do what we're, we're writing.
0: No, I, I think it's uh it's critical role now. And they're like, Could you be. know what critical role you make all the canon, you make all the established lore, and I, I, with this book, now that they're doing two books with Critical Role, I, I really think that they're like, well, we'll just, like, they can wow, be the we new. We think Talbury
1: could be the official D and D campaign world. That is a strong I mean, statement,
0: sir. I don't think Critical Role will allow that, <laughs> but I think it will be a prominent one. So, Exandria, at
1: least. Interesting premise. Because
0: he can make all of those decisions. Matt can like. Like you said, I guess he's the new Gygax, the new, uh, you know, but
1: Matt's never going to let go of that world like But he has the uh, problem that others. Yeah, he has the problem that if you're too specific, then too many people will say, I like his world, I like his ideas, but I can't run a game in that world. If you leave it vague, like Greyhawk was left vague with Gary Gygax, it's easy for you to say, well, that's what he did, but I can do this other thing because it wasn't so... Mm stringent but if you get so into the weeds and i know you love lore so i'm i'm arguing to the wrong guy you're the lore guy i want the lore i want you want 50 books of lore for forgotten realms you Let's want the it. encyclopedia <laughs> you know britannica of forgot and i would read that on I would read the entire yeah. encyclopedia britannica forgotten Realms yeah. on cd thank you i would totally do that i get it but i don't know if that's what they want to do no, I would buy it to do. Yeah. and I would read all that because I think it would be fascinatingly interesting, but, um, it's, it's it, like, and, and it's kind of, uh, I guess I'm just
0: sad because, uh, the mentality now is like, let's make a book and then toss it to the DMs Guild yeah. and in a way that's awesome because Keith Baker has yeah. been making Eberron content for the DMs Guild. Mm-hmm. It's not like officially sanctioned, but it's Keith Baker and I love it and it's his interpretation of the world and it really expands on an Eberron game but at the same time all of these people contributing to the realms is kind of like hit or miss and you have to really know I think
1: Keith Baker is making Eberron better and better and better because he's continuing to write about it and support it and add to it whereas I think Wizards of the Coast is not doing anything great with the Forgotten Realms because we've not done anything new. It's not like they've gone anywhere we haven't been yet in Forgotten Realms. There's continents, there's landmasses that they've put on maps for years and years and years. We haven't been to the Red Wizards of Thay. You know, how could they have not done that? (laughs) You know, we haven't been to Myth Draenor in forever. We haven't been to all these other cool places that you could bring up, you know, in that. And they just never developed that world. I feel like they completely have underdeveloped Forgotten Realms. I feel bad. Because I think Forgotten Realms could be stronger had they put more effort into it. But yes, I think that's the entire point of that article. (laughs) But I don't think that's what they want to do. And I don't think that's what they they think their company should do. I think that's what I want, but that's not what they want to do. Yeah. I want George R.R. Martin writing Forgotten Realms because we would get this huge, intricate world or a, a, a Robert Jordan or any of these guys well, that wrote those away, 10 so. books, you know, well, Brandon Sanderson, who there took you go. From, you know, out Brandon, Sanderson. make a and world for us. He, if he, if he got hired, he'd make like a 30 volume set. Cause that guy loves to write. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to your heart's content. Oh, so. Gary
0: says Greenwood just released a face supplement on the DMs guild. So.
1: I did hear something was going he's on. He's been writing um,
0: for it because I got his Borderlands, uh, yeah, into the Borderlands. Good for Greenwood.
1: So. I I hope he's he inspired loves it's. He's like what? Keith, like he's Keith, like, well, yeah. I don't like, own I want this my world.
0: world. Yeah, they're like, I don't own this world, but I still love it. And yeah, uh, Keith Baker has said like the fact that he's always loved Eberron, but there comes a point where he's like, I can't put all of my time into it if I'm not getting some kind of financial return. <laughs> And I completely understand and sympathize. Yeah. And he's like, with the DMs guild, I now can. And yeah, so now they're, te- they're testing the waters. Like, he's like, I want to write a whole book about, you know, the undersea culture of blah blah blah. Will that sell? I don't know. So that kind of mm. pushes me in a direction of like, do pe- do enough people want this that it will sell on the DMs guild? Because he's like, I could write about it for days. Like, I'll write forever, but yeah. we need to know that people are interested in this. And so, and that was with his exploring Eberron did uh, a whole bunch of information on the planes and things like that. I've been reading it like crazy lately. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. So kind of interesting. I I'm with you though. I also want them to create a new setting, utilizing all of these mechanics that for fifth edition um, and like a place for Dragonborn that is completely different from anything else, a place for tieflings that is completely different, but that they're in the world. Uh, I would love to see that. And maybe for the 50th anniversary, we'll get something like that. But
1: uh, they've yeah, hinted yeah. that they were going to let Chris Perkins and, and the team do something like that. They've hinted that on the horizon was a new campaign that had never been done before, which would be, you know, their chance uh-huh. to put their mark on if I'm creating the world, we're Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins going back and talking and, and, and coming up with something I would love to see what that would be because I think they're very creative people that have done a pretty good job working in other people's IPs and the things they love, but I'd also love to see what they could do when given free reign. I'd love mm-hmm. that. I'd buy it. They should do it. Sweet.
0: Um, I think we've talked at nauseum about that, so we'll just <laughs> move on. Uh, I have not been playing any games, um, but I have been reading oh lots of Eberron books. Um, I reread... Rising from the Last War, Ooh. cover to cover, minus the uh, monsters. But that's—it's been a, f- a long time since I've just sat down and like read through a whole D and D book like that. Um, and so much cool information in there. And now mm-hmm. I'm reading Exploring Eberron and enjoying that. Uh, the other secret news on the horizon is there has been lots of talk for my Rod of Seven Parks crew, um, the oh, Banana Bunch, Lord. as they are known. <laughs> uh to get back together. They all want to continue those characters and play again, and so I said, "Well, let's work on some dates. Um and we're going to try and pick up that campaign." Uh and the only thing I told them is I said, "You've been stuck in uh Sigil for 2 years. What have you been doing? Like you've tried to leave, but you can't. So what do you what how what kind of a life have you made for yourself in Sigil? And uh we're going to play with those characters again. I think it'll be fun." Um, cool. that won't be anytime soon it'll probably be <laughs> april or may maybe so but uh right. we've been talking about it a lot of fun um but i'm curious about the player versus player adventures of oh, sir lucian in uh dungeon of the mad mage what's going on <laughs> with you
1: <laughs> oh it was i feel like in. And- let me say up front, I think uh, Danimal did a great job. My dungeon master, I do not want to discourage anything that he decided to do or wanted to do or tried to do to keep it fun and keep you know keep it so that it wasn't overly competitive. We had we have some real kind of alpha competitive people, and they were doing a lot of trash talking. So sometimes if you play, I mean you play board games sometimes with a very competitive person, and all of a sudden it's not a fun night when you know, the competitive people are really going at it because you yeah. have the people are there just to talk and kind of play the game, but they're also just there to socialize. And then you have the person's like, no, I'm winning Monopoly tonight and I will yeah. cut your throat to win it tonight. Yeah. You and know? then I will like, do anything. Three hours later, you flip over the board game. You're like, I'm yeah. done, grandma. I'm tired <laughs> this of this toxic house. Yeah. yeah, nobody plays Monopoly ever again. You know, it's like, and then, and then you have the Monopoly incident that nobody wants to talk about and it gets brought. So- he did a good job of making sure it didn't turn into something like that. Um, so that's the the preface. And it just sucked. I hated the whole thing. I It was oh, terrible. Sad. But... Well, what it, made it terrible? What, can you go into details or no? And it's a personal terrible. I think others could have had... Were having fun or, or did have fun. Um, and I don't think it was anybody's fault. I just... It was terrible for me and I didn't like it and it was mostly because once again I have a character that's built to certain strengths and then when you confine them into such a small area none of my strengths for that character can can be useful right right so it falls I I'm a I'm a arcane archer who is supposed to be kind of like a Quigley down under sniper from hundreds yards away, can't see, built all this stuff around this idea of being out of sight all the time and being at extreme ranges, like a ranger character. And I think a lot of dungeon masters do this to their ranger character. So this is a cautionary tale. If you have a person that builds that sniper like character, You don't have to do it all the time, but at least give them moments to shine. Don't build all your table maps 40 by 40, you know, don't draw out on your table and then invite them over. And then every map, their bow, everybody can shoot everybody. Their bow range makes no difference in, in the game at all. When normally you could shoot somebody from 300 yards away, you know, before they Mm -hmm. would even be able to do anything. Um, or how you handle nighttime. Or if you know your bard has built to do diplomacy and you build a game where there's never diplomacy, for there's not even one moment for them to shine with that character diplomatically, you know, in some cool fashion. That's when I talk to you're my doing DM a and I, say, I I you know? took the wrong thing for this game. Can, yeah, can yeah, I have? Yeah. <laughs> so that was, to me, that's what it was. The map was super small. The line of sights were, you know, so narrow that my character never would have had a way to really shine in the way I built it. And so I just, you know, I didn't, I played and I just, you know, we, we went through it and I just felt like it was just a throwaway night. Really. It was like, what are those? Oh, why are we even doing this? We could just be playing regular session. Um, And it really stemmed from a couple of the players that were kind of heckling each other, I think. And so it was more fun maybe for those two characters to kind of battle each other out or get their groups into a battle. But the rest of us weren't really invested in a, mm-hmm. in, a in a throwdown with the other group. So it wasn't, we didn't get invested like that. Um, Do you think it a, would be more fun if it
0: wasn't you creating a character? Like if, if you were handed, like if it was a free for all of monsters. Like if I handed you a monster, you're like, you're going to be a green dragon. This person's going to be, like 12 al owlbear, bears, i don't know
1: and it was closely balanced like a moba or a regular arena game yeah that people put in then yes but we were level ten elevens 11s fighting level 13 14s oh yeah in an arena and their characters had crazy magic item stuff we have some of that, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have put it on par with some of the magic they brought to the table. Plus, they have level 13, 14 abilities, and my guy's a 7-4, not even really an 11. It's more like a multi-class character, so you're not really like an 11. I wasn't playing like an 11th level archer, which is not very good in D&D no matter how you build it. Um, <laughs> but even then, I was still playing a 7-4, so it was like 7-fighter clerics so that was trying to fight a level 14 warlock you're you're just outclassed completely Mm -hmm. there's your 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 big brother grabbing little brother's arm and saying why are you hitting yourself Mm -hmm. why are you hitting yourself you know you got nothing you can do so in that context it's just what now if it's we're playing pre-made characters that are balanced and everybody has similar stuff could be different but it's balanced enough that ranges are the same people are moving the same speeds people can do similar stuff then i think that's a fun thing you could do because then it's just about tactics or good roles you know or how you maneuvered or how you work together as a team and that's what it's about but in this case it was so unbalanced it was about it was just like throwing out you know uh, um An unbalanced game, which I don't think is fun when you're trying to be competitive or PvP. No, if
0: it's if it's one sided, then it's just kind of like, well, if I didn't have a way to win, then why am I here? Uh, It kind of makes me remember there. uh, Everything comes back to Penny Arcade, I feel. But um, Mm -hmm. when uh, Mike Krahulik got into Warhammer. They were doing a lot of things where he'd show and there was a comic where he showed up and he's just like, here's my army. And then he looks at the other person's army and it's like way more expensive units like this guy's put like thousands of dollars into his army and miniatures. And he's just like, oh, wow, you have that. And then the end comic is like, do you want to just call it now before they even start playing? And they like shake hands like good game. Yeah, man, that was a lot of fun. So they never actually played because he knew he would just lose. And so, yeah, yeah I, I sympathize with you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're it, right. The game is not designed for that. D&D no. is designed for you to battle monsters and mostly win if you are strategic enough. Yeah. Uh, and that's the whole point. Like, D&D yeah. punishes you for making bad decisions, not necessarily uh, bad dice rolls in a way. And I'll throw Especially one, that, You
1: just said it. The perfect thing. The D20 is too swingy for a PVP game like that. Yeah. It we had a bunch of bad rolls on our side and it was just like it was just like icing on the crap cake, right? Because <laughs> you maybe you could have done something, but then everybody rolled like shit, so then there's no way you can Ugh, do anything. <laughs> now I got to use that that <laughs> <you> expletive <know. laughs> hashtag on our podcast. Yeah. So so it was terrible and it wasn't anybody's fault. It's just what happens, right? Yeah. So you got to be careful about it and um I think I don't even know if I would have had fun even had he built the map much bigger. I don't know if it would have been more fun in some other context because it just didn't, maybe we were all the same level. I don't know if it would have been any more fun and just D&D is not a game built for play PvP. And you have a, a DM who normally has a story in mind. He's running characters through adventure. He's he's kind of a um, part of the storytelling and so can make things happen or, or adjust things to make them more fun or challenging. <clears throat> but in a PvP game, he's not allowed to do that, right? Because he can't be seen as, well, let me adjust it so this group can do a little better because I see what's happening. Yeah. Oh, that's not going to be fun at all. Let me let me adjust the challenge yeah. over here so it is. They can't do that. They have to be the referee they have to try to decide the rules. Now, the one thing he did do, if you're going to do it and you think, nope, Lucian, you're crazy. I think PvP is fun. I think it can be done. I played it and we had a blast and we do it every Friday night. For that person, here's here's my part of um, the side of it. I think you can if you put a lot of effort into it. And the one thing Danimal did that worked well is he knew all of our characters because he'd been playing us through these campaigns. He knew what our abilities did he understands how they work. So when mm-hmm. they started to interact with each other, he had a good idea of what would happen when those interactions would happen because he's very familiar with the characters that have been playing for the last year with these characters. It would have been a horrible thing had we all built brand new characters, came to the table, and Danimal would have had to have been thinking, what's that ability do? I hadn't heard that ability yet. I have not read that one. Let me think about what that one does and have to make those kinds of decisions on on the fly without being familiar with the character. Yeah. I think that would have been a nightmare for him. Um, Another thing, it was like maybe one or two rounds of combat before it was completely over. And it took nearly three hours or more to play. So if you're going to do a PvP game, realize it's going to take a long time. Don't add anything else into it because the combat is going to take forever. And the other thing that annoyed me, and it was on my team's part, that super annoyed me the whole night is they're constantly typing to each other <laughs> hey this is what you should do on your turn and then it would get to their turn and they hadn't even thought about what they should be doing oh. and then they would take 5 minutes before they would make their decision on what they were going to do and that bugged me and that was on my own group that may not happen in your group that may not be a thing for anybody else but it annoyed the hell out of me on my own group to be like hey take when you're not playing it's not your turn think about what your turn is going to be because this is already so long. We need to keep this thing moving. <laughs> yeah. We need to keep going. Think about your turn and stop typing to me about what I should do on my turn. You know? <laughs> So those are, it was, the, so to me it was annoying and I didn't have any fun really doing it. Um, if they did or some of the other people did, that's cool. I mean, you know, maybe they liked it. Um, I don't think I would run it. And if I did a PVP, I think I would only do one-on-ones to try to, find some way to do a balance and find some way to make it so that both people could have fun. I don't think I would do a team five on four six on six. You know, that's just way too much. I think that's a, a big hassle in this game. Well, would you you do it? No. (laughs) Would I do? Have you done it? Have you Uh, pitted your players against each other? I,
0: I think we've talked about this once. I did, um, I did a, an evil mirror where my players saw their reflections and then evil versions of them stepped out. Uh, but I controlled the evil versions. And then I would just go to the player and I'd be like, okay, uh, evil Stephanie is attacking evil James. Uh, evil Stephanie, do you have like a really cool spell? And she'd be like, oh, I've got this. Okay. Yeah. You're going to use that. And it was kind of, cause I didn't have their characters memorized, memorized, right. but it, it was fun. And that was fun. Uh, mostly it was hilarious because they all went to their doppelganger and was trying to fight them, but you're equally matched with your doppelganger. True. (laughs) And they didn't start winning until they separated and was like, okay, I'm actually going to like range, go after the wizard. You should probably take the monk. And like, they (laughs) split, once they split up, they started winning, but it was funny for them to realize like, wow, I'm evenly matched with the
1: exact duplicate of my character. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) So <laughs> that's good. That that sounds super, but fun. I I, it's cool.
0: just not the game for that. Go, go play yeah. uh Hero Forge or I don't know, something that's a little more uh has combat, rules, based, has for rules based for it, yeah, yeah. So, okay, well, there you go.
1: Uh, anything else you want to talk about? I your, your have been playing worlds? a lot of games because the month of February has been. A ton of cool games have dropped. I'm playing Lost Ark, which has been. That's right. We super were making good. fun of you for that. Apparently, yeah. it's not good, but like you like it? It's really good. <laughs> okay, I think it's a lot really of good. people like it. There's okay. It's huge <laughs> out there, I think, right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I like that. Um, Warhammer 3 just dropped Total War Warhammer 3 to play that game. So nice. you get all your Warhammer fix in. Um, Tiny Tina's coming up here in a few weeks. We had um, just all these games. We're playing uh, Rainbow Six extraction we're playing all these different stuff it's like i don't have enough time to play everything i'm, I'm like sad because i yeah. don't have i can't jump into everything but it's been really good um so this has been a busy month of fun game playing there's lots of stuff out there if you're you're looking around and you have like a game pass or a or a thing like that like the um that one with Eloy is the main character um and she's she's like the barbarian in the futuristic Horizon? dinosaur Horizon Zero World. Dawn or whatever? No. Um somebody in chat'll know what I'm talking about. Eloy's the main character. She's like, carries a bow, but it's like a futuristic bow, but she also looks kind of like a barbarian. Goes around and fights uh robot dinosaurs. Come on, chat. Save me. <laughs> Save me. It's the second game. They they released the first one, and it was really on PlayStation, really good, and then I'm trying to find it real quick. They were, <laughs> it's been all over Twitter. They were talking about it just released. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. I have
0: no idea. I, oh. I, I, I guessed Horizon Zero Dawn. That's the only thing I can.
1: Oh, yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn. Sorry. <laughs> if you said, I said that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear that's what you said.
0: <laughs> I was like, it sounds like Horizon Zero Dawn. Maybe. That is it. Okay.
1: Everybody's been really talking about that game, too, because that just dropped and released. I thought that looks really good. Oh, that's good. too funny. Um, yeah, the Steam Deck's
0: coming out. Uh, in Ooh, six days it's going to get officially released and i've been watching that like a hawk really excited are you gonna about get that one? i have a pre-order in
1: oh so, but do you, um, in do you get it in six days i get it
0: in uh in probably six months because i'm at the end of uh q2 is where i am in the wait list so
1: all right very um, cool Well oh, also yeah. paizo news for our paizo fans because yeah this is waiting. <laughs> yeah exactly the dead are rising coming in march the book of the dead it looks really good. I think everybody's it's a Pathfinder second edition book. I think a lot of people have loved the artwork where I've been cool. anticipating it quite a bit and it looks really good. And Paizo has been talking about it on their Twitter quite a bit this last couple of weeks because it comes in March. Very so cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um It looks really good.
0: I love it. Uh Well, and that's our show. We will be back uh next week with more talk show news there's probably going to be more call of the nether deep and uh we'll see what kind of fallout has happened with lucian and his gaming group as he uh picks up the broken pieces of a pvp <laughs> we'll see what goes on there and more
1: horizon forbidden west next week yes <laughs> forbidden west <laughs> that's the name of it
0: <laughs> uh is the name of the game Bang yes, go get uh, it. Sounds good. But yeah, we'll be back with next week with more stuff to talk about. uh Feel free to share this video with your friend. Talk up the podcast. Do all that other cool stuff, and we'll see you again next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning DD Show. Goodbye. <laughs>